Head over to footballgameplan.com slash gogooffense and pick up your copy of the new book, Go Go Offense, by offensive coordinator Brendan Marion of William & Mary, who takes you through the ins and outs of his offense, his innovative offense that's tearing up the college football field and lighting up the scoreboard again. Footballgameplan.com slash gogooffense. Welcome, fans, to the NFL All 32 podcast presented by Football Game Plan and the Connecticut School of Broadcasting. I am David Hassagan. With me, Troy Anthony, Alex Marinoni, and the czar of the playbook, Emery Hunt. Gentlemen, week one is in the books. How are we feeling about our fantasy teams? Is everything okay? Oh, man, I don't want to talk about that. Let's keep this on a good <laughs> note, man. Well, how are we going to be on a good note? I mean, Troy, you, you must have something positive. I no? like my fantasy teams. I had a lot of high-scoring uh, players this week. Emery's, Emery's too good for fantasy teams. He doesn't do, he doesn't do any of that. I don't I don't have a fantasy team, but I do give great fantasy knowledge. And had people been following my stuff on The Athletic, they would have already known that, <laughs> you know, Jameson Crowder would have been a great play. Lamar Jackson would have been a great play. I have him as well. <laughs> so there you go. That's my, contribu- uh, my contribution to fantasy football. There we go. And, and again, folks, if you want to listen to any of Emery's knowledge about you know running backs taking over a quarterback position and actually being good like oh uh, i don't know lamar jackson you can go to footballgameplan.com for all of your football knowledge don't forget to go to youtube.com slash football game plan as well for all of your nfl and college football content we've got everything that you would want to know need to know maybe wouldn't need to know too much information we don't know we've got everything covered that's all i'm trying to tell you so you can find that all of that there again if you want to listen to any of the football game plan podcasts you can go to soundcloud or itunes search football game plan in the podcast section and give us a five-star rating while you're there i think we deserve it well emory thinks he deserves it he's he's got a blue check mark always give us a five-star rating because we're giving you great content that you're not getting anywhere else you're getting fanboy takes everywhere else you're getting great <laughs> football content here on football game plan let's go right into week one guys again we are recording this folks before the monday night football kickoffs uh the double header in week one so we will not have those for you but let's go through all of the week one action from sunday we'll get a quick take from everybody on the games thursday night the opening game of the 100th season two of the original teams green bay and and uh chicago we figured it was going to be a defensive struggle it was 10-3 to the packers where is the bears offense it's gone again I have no idea what's up with this Bears offense. <laughs> One player I was really excited to see was David Montgomery, and they barely gave him the ball. I, d- I didn't think that Mike Davis would figure into this offense as much as he actually did. I thought that they would have gave it a lot more times, Montgomery or Cohen, but Mike Davis got a heavy load week one. Really interesting to see that for sure. Yeah, the fact that you took Mitch Trubisky in the draft ahead, Sean Watson and uh, Patrick Mahomes, <sighs> and wonder why you only scored three points. So. <laughs> <laughs> Let's move on to the second game on the, uh, the Sunday game here. A nice comeback for the Philadelphia Eagles, 32-27. Alex, this is something that we didn't expect maybe from Philadelphia. Carson Wentz, though, with a nice comeback. Yeah, I mean, this game was, what, 20 nothing as you said? I mean, that's you were <sighs> not expecting this out of Washington. Now you expect the division games to be close, but, man. But Carson Wentz pulled it out at the end. I mean, he showed what good offenses and what good teams do, and they didn't let it get away. Washington looked fine in the first half. What happened in the second half? Offense just went nowhere. I have to show respect to Washington right now because on last week's episode, I chose this game as my blowout of the week, (laughs) thinking that Washington wouldn't be able to hang. But they definitely did. They definitely scared Philly until the second half. They held their own. And early in the fourth quarter, you had me thinking that Philly wouldn't be able to get it done, but they did. Yeah, shout out to Carson Wentz in that deep ball. Instant dividends with Deshaun Jackson. Great job 
the passing game, still questions about their running game, Washington's defense will also be a lot less uh, menacing without Jonathan Allen for quite some time, as he also got hurt yesterday. So what should have been a great defense uh, is now looking like a question mark, and they blew a 20-point lead. Another good ball game in Carolina as well. The Panthers put up a good fight but couldn't get past the L.A. Rams 30-27. to Malcolm Brown, two uh, touchdowns in this one. That's a career high for him. He looked very impressive in this ball game. Yeah, Malcolm Brown did a great job, uh, but you have to give credit to that Rams defense because making sure that Cam Newton wasn't the reason why they were going to win that ball game, great job. Golf didn't have his best day, mm. but they needed the running game, needed their defense, and I thought they did a great job. Yeah, and I thought Todd Gurley uh, being absent the first three quarters really of this game and coming on late in fourth quarter, I think that's something we're going to see going down for the Rams. They don't want to overwork him, and I thought that was perfect. Uh, if you tr- trust in a guy like Henderson and Brown to carry the load and your offense could still produce what they can produce, having a guy like Gurley coming in and just running, running through you in the fourth quarter is something that I think ended up overtaking the Panthers in this one. Yeah, definitely. That Malcolm Brown was getting a lot of goal line touches was definitely huge for the Rams. And seeing Cooper Cup bounce back like he did, did uh, knee didn't really seem to bother him as much. Uh, that's gonna that's gonna go far this season having three solid receivers. Let's move on to another one. If I told you the score line in Cleveland was 43-14 before Week One, we could have probably made a prediction that uh, Cleveland is on their way. That they're, they're you know make the playoffs. They're gonna win the division. Uh uh-uh, uh, not so fast, my friend. The Tennessee Titans win on the road 43 14. Browns have still not won a week one game since 2004. Marcus Mariota didn't expect him to be the quarterback star this week. Yeah, they have to get better up front. You know, Baker Mayfield was under duress a lot that game. Tennessee's defense came with, came with that pressure and forced three interceptions uh, to Baker Mayfield, bringing one back to the house. So, offensive line, I think, has to play better in Cleveland. Not an excuse, but they have to play better. Yeah, I was on the Browns bandwagon for this week one matchup, and Emery said it quite a few times, don't don't sleep on those Titans. They could definitely pull that upset, and they did. Baker just didn't look comfortable in the pocket like we saw yeah. a couple times last season. He looked very skittish multiple times, and those three picks proved that. Can I take back my Baker MVP comment from last week? Is that possible? <laughs> that is in, that has we, been ingrained and recorded for all time. Week We're one overreaction, gone. All right. So, uh, But, no, that – a lot of credit to that Titans defense, man. I know uh, Baker has had his struggles with with pressure, but they just kept coming after and watching the highlights and just it was just number twenty six, number thirty one are making the big plays in the backfield, not just the D line. So yeah. uh, Baker was just uh, just completely uncomfortable in his home in his home field. A lot of injuries in this next game: Chiefs and Jaguars. Chiefs lose Tyreek Hill. Jaguars lose their starting quarterback Nick Foles. But Sammy Watkins is still on the team for Kansas City. He looked very, very good. 40-26. to 26. Chiefs looked right where they left off. Uh, it's nice to see Sammy Watkins healthy again yes. and with a real offense and a real quarterback. This guy, Tyree Kills, you know, however how long he's out is going to be tough. But you're having another number one like Sammy Watkins at full strength. That's, oh, man, they're not going to miss a beat. Yeah, that, that Chiefs offense, Patrick Mahomes proved yesterday that that season, last season, wasn't a fluke. You had some doubters saying, oh, can he do it again? I think he just showed that he can. And Jacksonville Jaguars losing foals, yes, that hurts. But this kid, Gardner Minshew, he did well yesterday. He only mm-hmm. had a few incompletions, one of them albeit being an interception. But for his first introduction into the NFL, just getting thrown into the fire, he did well. I agree. I, I agree with that assessment, Minshew. And I thought Fournette caught the ball well, looked well, running the football, and DJ Chark 
had the best day for their receiving core, which is a question mark coming in. And the passing game will continue to be a question mark moving forward. Minshew thrown into the fire, had a great uh, showing. Can he stack positive games on top of one another is what we'll be looking for next week. Jacksonville has already made a move. Josh Dobbs for a fifth rounder is now going to probably be the backup uh, for week two as uh, we're not sure how long Nick Foles will be out. Um, What happened in Miami? Well, let's see. Uh, A so-called wide receiver threw for five touchdowns, put up 59 points, and the Ravens absolutely smoked the Dolphins 59-10. Emery, please, if you will. Well, I'm not surprised because here's the thing: when 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 things nothing for the haters. Yeah, when, when things that you don't expect to happen happen, then you should be surpri- surprised. But if you knew stuff going in, there should be nothing that should surprise you. So I'm not surprised at Lamar Jackson's performance. This is exactly what he did at Louisville. What I'm surprised is how long it took the Dolphins to go from Ryan Fitzpatrick to Josh Rosen. That should have been a starter from you know the opening kickoff. Um, you're wasting time with Fitzpatrick, but I mean, Lamar Jackson did Lamar Jackson thing. So I wasn't surprised. I was happy to see Marquise Brown out there healthy uh, and looking like the Marquise Brown at Oklahoma. But Jackson's performance was like kind of what I expected. We said that he might be an MVP candidate. He certainly looked like it. Yeah, I don't think any person at this table was surprised. We all knew what Lamar Jackson and the, the, the Baltimore Ravens could He won do. the Heisman Trophy. I know. He's good. <laughs> the like, biggest surprise for me would just be the score that they put up an NFL they put up 59 points on an NFL team. That's yeah. that's saying something. The defense holding them to 10 points and the offense just exploding like that. And it's nice to see Marquise Brown just jump out the gate with two huge touchdowns to open up the game. He burst on the scene and teams for the rest of the season are going to have to look out for this kid because he's a flyer. And uh, according to sources from Pro Football Talk, multiple Dolphins players contacted their agents after the game yesterday demanding they start setting up trades already. We knew Miami was going to be bad. We didn't know they were going to be this Well, bad. if you believe that from Mike Florio, then I have Oceanside property to sell you in, in Wyoming. I'm just, <laughs> I'm just reporting what is being thrown out by people with blue check marks on Twitter. You have one as well, but... Still, we knew Miami was going to be bad, but this is getting even worse. That's embarrassingly bad. Um, I mean, <laughs> fifty-nine to ten—that you don't see college games a lot like that. That's that's D one versus D three right there. That's <laughs> bad, bad. It was just—I mean—and not to take credit, uh, take anything away from what that uh, Ravens offense and defense really did in this game, but Miami—the showing they put up is just—I mean, the Jets and Bills might have a chance at that. Isn't, is that even a showing? <laughs> is that even? I mean, I mean. When you have to, when here's the thing, you were able to bring in RG three, who was perfect <laughs> through the air and threw for a touchdown for the first time in what eight hundred plus days, I think it was. Shout out to the Ravens for having quality quarterback depth chart. They certainly got that, that's for <laughs> sure. Let's move on to the Vikings taking on the Falcons, twenty eight twelve to Minnesota. Dalvin Cook, he's healthy and he looks really really good for Minnesota. Yeah, he's explosive. I'll tell you that. So is the rookie Alexander Madison. So they have good running back depth. This Viking teams can be scary. I was surprised to see that Falcons offense just get shut down like they did. This yep. is a team with great depth at wide receiver. Devontae Freeman, a healthy Devontae Freeman, and Edo Smith, who saw, we saw last year burst on the scene, and Matt Ryan, who's a former MVP. And their offense was just held in check the entire game. Julio Jones got the paycheck, but he didn't get the ball much in this game. What happened with the uh, the Viking defense, though? They looked really good. Yeah, Rhodes stepped up, and the Vikings defense uh, really played well. And it's nice uh, from from the offensive side of the ball, too, for the Vikings to know that 
Kirk Cousins doesn't have to win you a game when Dalvin Cook is healthy. Yeah. So, and if that's the case with the defense that they have, we should expect a lot of this. It's all on Cook's health right now. It's funny because we were at the Jets game, uh, covering the Jets game while this game was going on, and we're looking like, yo, what the hell happened to Kirk Cousins? They only allowed him to throw the ball ten times. I fully agree with that, but <laughs> it was great to see them go out there and execute that strategy and win. Shout out to that defense. Shout out to Dalvin Cook. Uh, and again, Kirk Cousins got into the end zone, avoid the big mistake. It wasn't about him this game. Great win for the Vikings. Week one, and you're already throwing jabs. Let's move to just, the middle. Just being honest. You were at this game, Emory. Buffalo beats the New York Jets 17 16, another team that had a lot of hype. 16 point comeback for Buffalo, their largest since 2011. A lot of that, though, was on their defense. Absolutely. Both defenses made their presence felt. The Jets' defense scored a touchdown here on the pick six with CJ Mosley. The Bills' defense was harassing Sam Darnold in the second half. Uh, constantly, they start to shut down their their ground game as well. But the two quarterbacks, Allen and also Darnold, have to start to play better. Darnold missed some big opportunities deep down the field. He overthrew one, underthrew one. Allen, prior to the field goal to to which gave them the points to to win the game, he threw the ball directly to the face of Marcus May and dropped it. Mm-hmm. So if May makes that interception, Jets win 16-14. So. Right there, you have to be concerned about both quarterbacks. Now, credit Allen for driving down and getting them the the points needed to touchdown to John Brown, but both quarterbacks have to play better if their teams – because this was a great game defensively. So there's talent here for these teams to win. Quarterbacks got to play better. Yeah, these uh, new acquisitions for the Jets came in heavy for them. I mean, Crowder had 15 catches. C.J. Mosley had the pick six. And Bell had the shoestring touchdown. But the difference in the game was when Mosley went down. After Mosley went down, that Jets defense just couldn't do anything to stop the Bills. They just went drive after drive and came back in the game. Yeah, Mosley going down. uh, From the Jets' standpoint, you can't rely on one guy and to allow a 16-point comeback when one guy goes down. I know they're also missing Avery Williamson, so the middle linebacking court is is, is really thin right now, and I understand that. But Josh Allen looked like a different quarterback when Mosley was out of the game. Uh, but from the Jets' offensive side of the ball, Sam Darnold didn't play what we expected him to play. But uh, I did not like the way Adam Gase was calling calling the game. I mean, 41 dropbacks for Sam Darnold, and about 30 to 35 of those passes were from five under five yards or less. It didn't take too many shots down the field, and the shots that he did have, Darnold missed those. So that was that's definitely on him. But I just didn't like the lack of creativity. It just looked like Miami all again, all over again from uh, Adam Gase. And the Maranoni Bus Company claims its first victim, Adam Gase. <laughs> Let's move on to the next one here. An overtime game: the Chargers and the Colts. A good ball game again. We said the Colts might be fine. They said we said that you know we'd have to look and see, but we thought we got confidence in the Colts. We got confidence in Brissett. He showed up very very nicely. Didn't get the win, thirty to twenty four to the Chargers, but much better than a lot of the. Exp- quote-unquote experts expected from Indianapolis. Shout-out to Marlon Mack in his game for doing his yeah. job and, and getting over 170 yards rushing. Ooh, Answer the big yeah. question I had about the offense going into the season. So if they can run the ball like this, maybe not to 174 yards a game uh, by one player, but if they can get consistent play out the running game, it's going to be dangerous. Yeah, Marlon Mack went off, and what that tells me is I'm going to have to see what this Chargers defense can do because I thought the front seven was going to be a strength point for that defense. But Marlon Mack absolutely went off. But Jacoby Brissett, a lot, there were, he had a lot of doubters going into this game. And he didn't really do anything exceptional, but he was getting the job done. And that's all they're going to need him to do with all the talent they have on that team. 
Yeah, and the Colts right now, I mean, they went up against a team that could have represented the AFC in the Super Bowl last year and yeah. took them to overtime and should have won, I mean, could have won the game. That's, you know, you're coming out, everyone missing Andrew Luck, like we've all been mentioning, we all went over it. Nobody's really too shocked that the game was the way it was right now, at least everybody in this room. But it should say a lot about the Colts and that they're still for real in the AFC South to win this division. Let's keep it going here. The Seahawks taking on the Bengals. Seahawks get a close win, 21-20. Andy Dalton, Dalton finally has a decent game. He throws for a career-high 418 yards, and he still can't get the win. Seattle edges it out. Anything stick out for you in this one, Alex? Yeah, Ross. I, the guy's been uh, irrelevant for two years. Um, they get an offensive-minded guy there. I mean, someone new in yeah. that, and that's just, yeah. uh, and that, coaching that team. And um, the offense looked really good. They went into Seattle. I know Seattle doesn't have the strength that they had. Um, Legion of Boom's gone. We get that. Um, but And it's Clowney's first game. But honestly, uh, I was very impressed with the Bengals' offense and what they were able to do with the 12th man. Yeah, I have to second that with the John Ross point. I've, I've been looking for him to explode. He broke the 40 record, so we know that he's a speedster. He's got the size of around Tyreek Hill, so he should be shifty enough to get loose. And if this performance from Dalton is a signal of what they can be this season and then they're going to get A.J. back later on, can this Bengals team make noise? We'll have to see. But that Joe Mixon, what's going on with him is going to be my question. That That's going to be huge for the Bengals going forward. One week in, and we already have a tie with the new rules. The Lions and Cardinals play to a 27-27 tie after overtime. Kyler Murray's first game, first half, not great. Much better in the second half. Detroit, again, pretty average, except Hawkinson. Really good game for him in his first NFL contest, 131 yards and a TD. What positives can both teams take away from this ballgame? That he didn't lose. Yeah. Number one. <laughs> it, lose. Hey, that might, that might come down to if one of these teams some, might be competing for a playoff spot, that might come down to it. I you mean, at the know. end of the day, if you're, you like what you heard from Cliff Kingsbury game, he said he got a bit cute in the first half and he quickly made the adjustments. We didn't see that from Matt Nagy on Thursday night. He was getting too cute with personnel and that ultimately was his undoing but great adjustments made by the Cardinals if you're Stafford in the Lions you got to find a way again we talked about the the near interception for Josh Allen in this overtime game it was there it was it over. was there <laughs> Stafford hit the DB in the face again and if he gets to that ball gets out of bounds with four seconds left they kick the field goal they win in overtime but the Lions offense has to play better, especially run the football. That was supposed to be where they were supposed to hang their hat. Coming in. Again, it's week one, but they got to do better. A lot of pressure on Matt Patricia, to be sure, in this Lions offense. But Kyler Murray, with the, I mean, and we have to talk about the head coach, too, in Arizona. As you said, took the gloves off. All of a sudden, he looks like he knows what he's doing in the NFL. Yeah, definitely kudos to Arizona. Good performance coming out week one with a first-year head coach and a rookie starting quarterback to come out and tie the Detroit in my suicide pools, I thought I was going to get a steal here by taking Detroit. I thought they'd be able to pull it out. And and you're done. You're done. <laughs> didn't, I, done. didn't I tell you that? You like did. Monmouth, I told him that. Uh, you did. They almost pulled it out, but they, they just let the cards back in it, and they end up going for the tie. But for Detroit, you finally have somebody other than Galladay in the passing game and Hawkinson. They drafted him in the first round for a reason, and he comes up with a big splash. But like Emery said, that running game, you can't have on Johnson only carry 16 times and go average 3.1. And they signed C.J. Anderson, and he averages 3.2. It's not That offense isn't going to click if they don't have production from the run game. 
Yeah, that's the point I was going to take, too, with the Lions. Lions haven't had a good running back since Barry Sanders. I mean, it's real, I feel like there's no production that comes out of the Lions' backfield. And Kerryon Johnson can't be averaging 3.1. they got to get the running game going because you can't just year after year rely on Matt Stafford to do it all. You do need some help. Uh, for the Cardinals' side, so much credit goes to Kyler Murray. Rookie comes in. A lot of rookie quarterbacks would have just stared that deficit in the face and said, let's just try to have some positive signs going into next year. That dude brought him back. And, um, I mean, throwing for over 300 yards and two touchdowns in your debut, very, very, very impressive. Dallas 35-17 over the New York Giants. Dak Prescott saw three things on Sunday. He saw wide-open wide receivers, acres of space, and a lot of dollar signs. He's going to be very happy with a four-touchdown <laughs> performance tied for a career high. The Giants' defense just looked like absolute Swiss. I don't even I don't want to call it Swiss cheese because that would be an insult to Swiss cheese. There was no cheese. It was just an open hole that the Cowboys wide receivers were finding spaces in. But the Cowboys looked like they were having fun out there. That's a dangerous team if that happens in the NFC. Definitely is. I do not know what this James Betcher's defense is doing. It just looked like every other play, these safeties were lost. On every other touchdown, you see Bethea coming up in the box and getting sucked into the run. He's like, oh, wait, no. Cobb's behind me now. Michael Thomas comes in, gets sucked into the run. Oh, wait, no, Jason Witten catching it for a touchdown. It just happened time and time again. And Shermer, what is he doing? Only letting Saquon touch the ball 10 or 12 times. Saquon should have 10 or 12 touches halfway through the second quarter. Yeah. Halfway through the yeah. second quarter. It's ridiculous. I, I think, again, you could chalk this up to week one uh, continuity issues with defensively, especially the way you laid it out there. It sounds like all communication issues, um, which are correctable. But if it was talent issues, then we have a problem uh, if you're the Giants. But I do think you have to give credit to the Cowboys offense because this offense, if this was the New England Patriots, no one would say, well, the Giants, they face the New England Patriots, Tom Brady, blah, blah, blah. But because it's the Cowboys, no one's giving them the credit. But when you look at this, you talk about an offense that has Dak Prescott, Ezekiel Elliott, Michael Gallup, Amari Cooper, Randall Cobb played really well. Jason Witten, <laughs> Blake Jarwin. Like, man, offense stacked. And they get Travis Frederick back. So I'm not surprised they scored 35. I'm surprised more so that the Giants didn't do their best to try to use their offense to be their best defense in this regard until that defense gets up to speed. Yeah, 100%. 10 carries for Saquon Barkley. How do you keep an offense like the Cowboys and your weak spot in the defense off the field? You run the ball. The dude averaged 11 yards per carry. It's not like he was struggling. He had 11 yards per carry. Give this man the ball. And you saw even when he was getting hit in the backfield, he was still finding ways to get positive yards. Use him. These are the games you need to use him when you're playing an offense that's so loaded up like the Cowboys. And Prescott... I mean, I wish I could, we can give like an like a really dive in like analysis on him. He had all open receivers all day, and he just hit every friggin' receiver. It was it was varsity versus JV. It honestly, was, it was simple. Let's move on to one one more game before we get to the Sunday night game: 49ers versus Bucks. The Bucks might be the best team in the state of Florida right now in terms of the pro game, but the 49er defense stand up. Three interceptions. They had two all of last season. Three in their first week. Brilliant, brilliant game for the 49ers. What did you think, Alex? Well, they didn't play Jameis Winston last year. That's why they didn't get two interceptions. <laughs> no, uh, it yeah. was – I mean, I honestly expected yeah. more with Bruce Arians um, as far as – more from Jameis Winston as with the turnovers. I watched three interceptions, and watching the highlights, I saw two more what could have been interceptions. Uh, he, it just seems like they, they try to do too much. He's still trying to do too much, trying to make those big plays down the field, check down a couple times, um, and hit, I, I saw plenty of times – 
uh, the, that rookie running back, uh, Okibawi, I believe is his name. All right, I don't know if I'm saying that name no, right. No, no, Okibawi. Okay, I don't. How do you? How do, I don't know how. For, the, for for the Buccaneers. Oh, Ogumba Wale. Ogumba. There we go. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's how you say it. Oh Duh. no, we're gonna get a, we're gonna get a strongly worded letter. Oh no. <laughs> Uh, but just a number of times he he would hit chip and he'd be wide open over the middle and Winston's just he, he's looking right down the field he's trying to force the ball into some coverage, um, you know I just thought I would have saw a little bit more out of Buccaneers I know it's week one but I thought uh, a little bit more ball security from Winston. Yeah, I'm not surprised at all. I have never trusted Winston. I do not think that he should be a starter in this NFL. He just turns the ball over way too much and. That was the story before this season. That's the story week one. Uh, I do like the way Ronald Jones was running, though, for the Tampa Bay Bucks. Second year, he didn't really do anything last year, but in week one, he looked pretty good at least. Uh, that defense from San Francisco, most definitely. That That's that's one who is, is surprising to me. And in that NFC East, they're, I'm sorry, NFC West, they're going to need a good defense because NFC West is stacked. Yeah, I think the defensive side of the San Francisco's squad was impressive, especially the front seven. All that length and athleticism showed itself, but you're right. James Winston has to protect the ball. Two pick sixes, that's 14 points. They win that ball game if he doesn't throw those pick sixes. And it also takes the smoke off Jimmy Garoppolo, who also threw a pick six, too. Yeah. So Jimmy G <laughs> quietly is still stealing money, but James Winston definitely has to, has to play better. We're 25 minutes in, and we've already thrown at least six people under the bus here with one <laughs> just, game to just, go. We just report the facts. My new name is just the facts. <laughs> Let's move on to the Sunday night game, the New England Patriots against the Pittsburgh Steelers, the two six-time Super Bowl champions in NFL history. It was a walk in the park for New England, pretty much a walk through for Tom Brady. Ben Roethlisberger can't, just can't get a win in Foxborough, period. Brady, though, the first quarterback with 300-plus passing yards in the game at the age of 42 or older. And they're now going to get better. So, New England in Week 1, Super Bowl champion already, Super Bowl contender. What, what, are, we doing? what are we calling them? I I don't know what to say. It's, it's, <laughs> it's New England here. And like you said, they're only get better. It's like, what do you do in the NFL? You're facing not – what's higher than a juggernaut here? I don't know. <laughs> A, a attack on Titan? I don't know. It's some sort of anything like that. I don't know what what in the world you call it. But I'll tell you what. There's a lot of problems though in Pittsburgh. That offense. Oh, we're gonna be fine without A. B. and you know Le'Veon Bell. We'll be fine. We sure. Plenty. Absolutely. <laughs> what, what? From where? Where's the offense coming that, from? There, there was nothing. That was ugly. <laughs> that was, was ugly. bad. Yeah, I he, mean, that's. I'm sorry. Yeah, sorry. That, but that's what New England does. They take away your number one, and the Steelers are so used to having a Juju Smith as your number two, a Le'Veon Bell, yeah, another, all these other pieces. They didn't even go with the double team approach that they normally do on the number one. They ones. didn't need to. They had Gilmore go up against Juju. Juju had all right day, six for seventy-eight. I mean, that's whatever. It's not bad. You know, but. Then it was, go ahead, we'll allow Dante Moncrief to try to beat me. I will allow uh, whoever else. You know, James Conner, I mean, it, they're not Le'Veon Bell and Antonio uh. Brown, man. That's, that's all that it is. Yeah, it was, it was terrible to watch because you have a team where, okay, you got James Washington who can stress the field, but you barely give him an opportunity to go deep right. down the field outside the one deep shot. I thought Big Ben looked sluggish. You know, Big Ben just looks old. He's looking his age. Yeah, he's yeah. looking his age, you know, and – yeah, he could still make some throws, but even on those deep shots he was taking down the field, they weren't accurate. They looked like they didn't have any confidence in them. And New England on the opposite side, just, I mean, if you look at it simply, you're saying, man, he's just throwing crossing routes all day long. Uh, it's all they ever do. It's <laughs> all they ever do. They just take advantage of open grass, and they have catch-and-run guys that can make you pay. 
I mean, you look at Ben Roethlisberger, though. They've been making jokes about him and his age at the NFL awards ceremony for like four years now. I think Conan <laughs> O'Brien said something about he, him being played by 300 pounds of ground beef. That was four years ago. He's looking older now. Like, it's not going to get any better. That's partially what we touched upon last week. Me and Dave agreed that uh, our team, we chose the Steelers as our team who we think is a little bit overhyped going into this season. Now, granted, this is week one. But and they just didn't really put up a performance. I, I think that Big Ben is going to begin the decline. One or no. There we go. We're good. We're good on the prediction. <laughs> Again, folks, we are recording this on Monday morning, so we do not have the breakdown for the Monday night games, Texans versus Saints and Broncos Raiders, so keep an eye on those games. But again, this is the NFL All-32 podcast presented by Football Game Plan. Don't forget to follow footballgameplan.com for all your football knowledge from the pros to the collegiate game and beyond. Let's get into the big story, though, because as much as we were anticipating week one, there was something else going on. Someone, someone in New England would call it a saga. I think people in Oakland would probably call it a Greek tragedy. I don't know exactly what you would call it, but the Antonio Brown situation went from, man, this is just really stupid, to, wait, what the hell is happening? Let's break it down from the beginning, folks. For those of you who don't haven't been following the play-by-play of this thing, all starts March 13th. Brown gets traded to Oakland from Pittsburgh for a third and fifth round pick. He's out of Pittsburgh's hair, but you know what? Maybe he was just unhappy there. He wants to go to Pittsburgh. You know, he wants to get out of Pittsburgh. He wants to get to Oakland. August 3rd, he reveals he's got frostbite on his feet. He did not wear the proper footwear from a cryotherapy session. He's got frostbite on his feet. I would think that would be pretty common sense. He misses 10 of the first 11 days of practice. August 9th, he files agreements to the NFL to continue to use his old helmet saying that he should be able to do whatever he wants. That gets denied. He holds out of camp. He doesn't show up for practices. You've got the GM talking to the media saying either he's going to be here or he's not. He then finds a replacement, still doesn't meet the NFL standards, and still does not report. He says he's going to retire. They talk, sit down with him. They get him back into the field. Okay, I'm going to be back for next week. Files a second grievance on, October 19, on August 19th for the helmet again, saying I should get the one-year grace period. Denied again. So, okay, the helmet situation goes away. We're fine. It's all fine. It's all good. Whatever. September 4th, he's fined $54,000 by GM uh, Mayock for unexcused absences, which happens from time to time. Players miss meetings. Players are late. Whatever. Brown posts the letters on Instagram. He posts the whole thing. Completely unprecedented. September 5th, then Brown and Mayock get into a confrontation. Brown has to be held back. He tried to apparently punch Mayock during this confrontation, then takes a ball, punts it down the field, and say, fine, that. September 6th, Brown makes a quote-unquote emotional apology to the locker room, but this is after he was being threatened with suspension, which would have meant loss of pay. Gruden comes out and says, nope, it's all fine. It's all under the bridge. He'll be playing on Monday night. We're good to go. And then two hours later, Brown puts a, a YouTube video with a call that he recorded between him and Gruden, talking about, you know, I'm going to be, you know, you, this sort of, this, that, and the other thing. I was just like, wait, what? <laughs> Where is this coming from? Fast forward to September 7th. He's fined again by Mayock, $215,000. This voids all of the guaranteed money, the $30 million in his contract. Brown, again on Instagram, says, I want to be released. When he does, he has someone film him celebrating that he's been released. He's, I think he sprinted out of his house shirtless, saying that he was free or something like that. He gets released. Rosenhouse says that the contract voiding may result in a legal situation, but we're going to start reaching out to teams. And four hours later, he signs a one-year, $15 million, $9 million guaranteed deal with the Patriots. It's now been solidified today with an option for 2020 for $20 million. 
there's no other take on this besides this is what happens, unfortunately, now where crybabies get their way. You see it in all across all sports. Give me my money, give me my money, give me my money. Well, you're not the best wide receiver. You know, there are at least two or three other guys that are. Oh, I'm going, okay, I'm just going to sit here and whine and complain and do whatever to make sure I get my way. And from what we're hearing now, apparently, he wanted to be traded to New England all along. So this whole thing may have just been a ploy from him to get himself released. And unfortunately, this is what we're seeing now. We see it in the NBA all the time, where the, the athlete becomes the GM, becomes their own agent, and says, no, 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 I'm not playing for you anymore. I want to go here. And until I do, I'm not showing up. And it's setting a terrible, terrible precedent across all major sports. I think the, the quote from Tony Dungy sums it up nicely here. He put this out on Twitter. First of all, he blamed Robert Kraft for saying that athletes are role models. This sends the wrong message. He said this on Twitter. I feel sorry for Antonio Brown. He's been blessed with amazing talent, but he's lost track of the fact that football is a team game. So is life. He thinks he's the victim, but he's missing out on the real joy that comes with being part of a team. He'll be the big loser in the end. First of all, Mike Tomlin deserves either the Nobel Peace Prize or he needs to be an NSA agent for keeping whatever was going on before last year under wraps in Pittsburgh. But honestly, though, give me 30 Ryan Shazier's over one Antonio Brown because I do not want that kind of garbage in my locker room. I don't care what kind of egos New England has dealt with in the past. They have seen nothing like what this guy is willing to do just to make sure he gets his money. It's it, Honestly, I think it's disgraceful, personally. I, I think it's a terrible message, but if you're a guy who's greedy and is more of a crybaby, why not go to a team with no morals? New England's shown that they're willing to have murderers, cheaters on their team and in their, in their staff, so why not add another one of the vices into the locker room? You done? Because here, here's... <laughs> I mean, sorry that I'm right. Well, I, w- I wouldn't say you're right because <laughs> there's, a, there's a couple of uh, things we could de- de- deconstruct right here. First, so, you know, Ryan Shazier hasn't played a football game in a couple of years. So I'd still take him... Not playing on a team where you need explosive offensive playmakers? I'd, right, rather, that's number one. I'd rather take somebody who cares more about himself, more cares more about the team than himself. Number two... I don't think Tony Dungy is the guy you want to bring up here based on his history and the comments he has made about certain demographics. So let's leave it at that. I, I, I'm not saying he the, is not uh, the moral compass you want. I know he's not, has, in, not in all situations in this situation. He's dead on the money. He also coached Marvin Harrison. So <laughs> Google Marvin, Marvin Harrison. And um, also, do you not want Let's say if this was corporate America. Do people not deserve to write to ask for a raise or want, you know, best player be put in the best possible situation? Let's say if you worked at Joe Blow Station in Podunk, you know, I don't even disgrace the state by calling, you know, his name Podunk, wherever state in wherever America, right? (laughs) And you feel as though I am the ace here. I need to be at ESPN. I need, but I can't get out of Podunk, wherever in America to get to ESPN. ESPN wants me, but Podunk, wherever in America, don't won't let me go to where I need to be. So you'd, you'd rather take down the station that gave you the opportunity rather than, you know, run You think that station, if when it when push come to shove, wouldn't get rid of you in with no regard? You're and still also, yeah. at the end of the day, we're coaching football. I need the best players. New England doesn't need him. <laughs> Lawrence Taylor was on. Crack. 
uh, cocaine <laughs> and had like godly amounts of sex. Instead of Bill Parcell saying, you know what, you're you're not a good role model for the kids. You're, you know, we need to get you out of here. We need to get some some stand up guys in here to, to take your position because you're a bad influence. No, he said, we need to get him some more crack. We need to get him all the cocaine he needs. But he didn't need all that cocaine because he still had the athletic ability to do what he did. You don't think a future Hall of Famer in, in Antonio Brown is? Future Hall of Famer, please. Did you look at his? You haven't Googled his stats, have you? Please. I have a question. So, And by, by the way, Bill Varsales didn't say exactly that. <laughs> yeah, get that out yeah. there. <laughs> Before he sues us. <laughs> yes, please. So when, when you know the time frame, it seems as though it's just played out this way. But when you break it down chronologically like that, mm-hmm. You have to think to yourself, maybe he had this planned all along. And Emery, are you saying that if he did have this planned all along, that he like that's okay? If I'm New England, yes. No, no. If you're no. A, like it's okay for AB to have made it so that he was released to go to New England. We've seen this happen before across a lot of different players. Remember when Carson Palmer retired because he didn't want to play with Cincinnati anymore? That yeah, but that was he didn't. He, he forced his cool way out of Cincinnati. But he didn't go and then he sign said with he Cleveland. retired. But he didn't sign with Cleveland. Yeah, but that was after playing seasons with Cincinnati and not liking the way that the organization was run and moves that were being made. Did we not see Moss get his way to get shipped out of Oakland? This is before the guy. Man, has I, I just gave y'all two examples. This is before the guy has even played a game and pretty much just being upset that they don't want to work with his David ways. I think everyone is is focusing on Antonio Brown and leaving out the New England Patriots in this equation because it takes two to tango, three to jump rope. If you look at Antonio Brown and his actions. Had the Patriots signed him in week three, it would have been, all right, I get it. He's been on the market. But for them to sign him hours after, right, exactly. Four hours later. That tells me maybe they had something to do with this, too. Maybe. (laughs) There wouldn't be a doubt in anybody's mind. (laughs) We know Robert Kraft doesn't have any morals to begin with, so why not do this? See, I'm about to go presidential. NFL, if you're listening, if you can find the emails between <laughs> Antonio Brown and the New England Patriots, you'll be doing the NFL a great service. <laughs> Alex, you've been quiet so far. It's because it's crazy. I mean, you're trying to talk crazy. <laughs> I mean, I mean, Emery's got a point. Like, he doesn't want to be on – if you don't want to be on a team, he's showing other examples of Carson Palmer retired. Now, if Antonio Brown just said, I'm retiring and I don't want to play for these guys, they're, gonna, they're messing with my contract, they're messing with this, it would have – I would – I would have personally been like, okay, it would just another guy doing it. He's going to force his way out, whatever. He just went the craziest possible way about it and then went, you know, almost threw fists with the GM. It's just, the only reason it's just w- nuts the way he went about it. I mean, if that's his plan all along, fine. I just, at that point, I just question how he did it. It just makes you look like you're insane. But, uh, I mean, you know, this could all be avoided if you just give everyone guaranteed contracts. I mean, here's the thing, though. He didn't do really accelerate any of this until they said, oh, we might take away your guaranteed money. So, again, it comes down to all to the money. It's the not end. about loyalty. It's not about, you know, playing for a good team. It's about, oh, I want to get my money, which, again, sadly, is typical. It's, it's typical now. Typical for what? Just typical in general. You see athletes in all four major sports. There's, loyalty is dead. Because loyalty there's no loyalty dead. from the organization. They will cut you in a heartbeat. 
There's yeah, a I mean, difference between other sports and the NFL, though, because NFL, you don't get that money. True. The, right. You and don't. that's why he's acting out, but that's why he's doing what he's doing, because in other sports, like if you get fined in another sport, you pay that fine. You get suspended a game check, you get suspended two game checks, whatever it is, you, you pay that, but you're still getting your money. In this sport... They're voiding everything, so he's not receiving anything after he gets suspended. I don't even That's think. What I, mean. I don't even think it was about the money. I think he just oh. wanted to play in New England. He well, play yeah, right. yeah, I think yeah. the money because New England with the uh, the contract they signed him. Now there's is being reported there's an, an option for 2020 uh, for him if they pick it up. Which if They're he plays, pick it up. they will pick it up because he's Antonio Brown. If We'll get to his stats in a minute because clearly we have to inform you of what the greatness oh, of Antonio no, Brown. No, I, I, no but, I'm, I'm telling you, he's, he's be, for me, he's not a Hall of Famer right be now. A Hall of Famer. But but, nah. the, but here's the thing: the option that they that they that they are going to pick up for him will be <laughs> will put him making twenty million, seven million dollars more than he would have yeah. made in Oakland. Exactly. Yeah. He got released. He got a raise. He got a raise. He got a raise. <laughs> and Aaron didn't have to pay for anything. <laughs> He got a raise. He got a raise. <laughs> like, all right, so back to the stats. Seven-time Pro Bowler, four-time All-Pro. It's a popularity contest. Bro. Pro Bowlers at all the He's led the league in receptions. Though. He's led the league in receptions twice, led the league in yards twice. This is a guy <laughs> that didn't play much as a rookie, but since 2011, only one season where he didn't go over 1,000 yards. And, I mean – when you see how explosive he is, and he's 30. When you look at his numbers on par where, where Rice was at 30, this dude is – he's pro football reference does a great job in doing the comparables, right? His So his career at this point has two Hall of Famers on it and a couple of guys that are going to be in Canton. Uh, right now, they ha- he's his career as today is on par with uh, Bob Hayes, um, Lance Allward, Bambi, Calvin Johnson, Roddy White, Julio Jones, Herman Moore, Lance uh, Rod Smith, Sterling Sharp. Which season did he not go over a thousand? It was like fifteen or six. It was two thousand eleven. Right? He had seven. Uh, he had seven. No, I'm sorry, two thousand twelve. Seven. Seven eighty seven. And what has been crazy about his statistics, his touchdowns have been double digits outside of 2017 since 2014. So he's been he's been ridiculously productive. Now, in this offense with Gordon and Edelman and the, the complexities of the scheme, how he's going to fit in. Now, we've seen both sides of the spectrum. We've seen Randy Moss do his thing, step right in and be Randy Moss. Coming off the year he had in Oakland where, you know, maybe he was disinterested or just wanted to get out of there. And we've also seen the Joy Galloways. We've seen, you know, the uh, Chad Johnsons not have success. So it'll be up to him if he's going to have success. But, man, it's hard to ignore his target to re- catch rate and his production. He he's a If he retired today, he would be a Hall of Famer. It probably wouldn't be first ballot, but he'll be in. There's no doubt in my mind that he's going to end up in the Hall of Fame, especially if he spends a couple of seasons with the Patriots. Right. He, he could break records. They're already talking about Edelman as a Hall of Famer. Yeah, his, post, and, his right. postseason production. He, Antonio Brown could break records. If he does go to the Hall of Fame, though, I don't think it's first ballot, even if he is – and when he finishes one of the best Agreed. all time, we yeah. saw T.O. not go in first right. ballot. There's, with the way his personality is and the antics that he's pulling, 
There's no way that he gets in first ballot. Just put his bust in a corner facing the corner. That's where he should. Why go. are you being a hater <laughs> on this podcast? Like this man like, want his money. Let him get. I, I, but honestly, I don't think this Antonio Brown situation is not about the money. I just think he just didn't want to play for Oakland, which is because you can't control where you go via trade. But, but you, you know think Larry what? Fitzgerald wants to play for the Cardinals? He's staying there. He's making making himself a Hall of Famer in Arizona. Keep him there. But, but that's Larry Fitzgerald. This is Antonio Brown. That that is Carson Palmer. This is you know uh, Tom Brady. It's everybody's individual. But I think the I think the employee has all. You can't you can't. The employee take, should not be in charge of the team. He's not in charge of the team. He's in charge of his own you know being. That's not how contracts work. That's just not how contracts work. Contracts are just on just now, a piece I'm, of paper. No, I'm not saying that Mayock didn't handle this. Perfectly. He certainly did not. I mean, when you're trying to threaten a player with fist fights, and I think there was also something reported well, about Well, I think all of that is hearsay. I think right, a lot there, of what we there said, was, there we was still hearsay. don't know what actually, because I found that to be hilarious. Like, there was, hearsay, there was hearsay of, like, racial slurs. There was hearsay of, like, you know, <laughs> punches being thrown both directions. I find that to be hilarious, because like, if that would have happened, I think more people would have heard. We would have heard, yeah, we yeah, would have heard that from yeah, Mayak would have came out and said he had, you know, so. Something would have happened. Alex, to wrap this up, just... How? <laughs> How? How do you wrap this? That's the only thing I've had right now. Uh, How? I mean, uh, to piggyback earlier when he said New England might have something to do with it, you have to think. I know it's not. You might not think it's with the mo- about the money or not, but do you think he still acts out like this if he doesn't know he's going to get paid from New England? He had to know, like, not only New- is New England interested, but they're going to pay me my money. So I feel like New England, not to throw conspiracies out there, they were a part of this before that. But here, here's the thing, <laughs> had too. to be. Because you can't just say, okay, let's say he wants to go to New England. Right. Antonio Brown can't just go in there and say, hey, release me. I'm not feeling it here. And it was like, all right, well, you got to do something. All right, well, I you know, got frostbite with my feet. Okay, we'll work <laughs> through that. All right, my helmet doesn't fit like Oh, all right, it's kind of right. weird, but those situations like like okay, they're a little bit you know trivial, yeah, but they're like but okay, way, all right, we'll, like we'll the, the helmet thing I could understand because you're used to your helmet, you're used to how you're playing. You with that one, it's a performance issue. Fine, I get it. Fair enough. But, so obviously he didn't get released after those two instances. So he's like, shit, uh, you know, <laughs> you know what, <laughs> man, what you're a cracker. <laughs> <laughs> like, boom, done, out. Release me, or like so. At the end of the day, so I think he at each step he elevated. He was trying to get released, and he he hit the he hit the atomic bomb oh. button. He hit the red button, and that blew it up. It's like so. I think this was all coordinated. Now I guarantee, because you can like you can give credence to Antonio Brown, because uh, like you see him like on hard. It's like man. They seem like a cool ass dude, right? He's just funny. He's why he's did calm. they stop recording? Keep recording. And then you hear all you read all the stuff like, bro, like what the you is this two different people? And so <laughs> you stopped recording at the perfect time. Keep recording. <laughs> you imagine the ratings for Hard Knocks if they had included this. Shout week. out to whoever edited that video because uh, that video was fantastic. <laughs> I was just about to touch that. There has to be. He has to be doing a documentary or something. He was doing it in the stadium. How do they not? <laughs> so I just see a guy with his crew <laughs> and a whole three camera. He has to be doing some type of documentary because we've seen it in the video when he gets released. If you look in the background as he's running around, like running back towards the house, there's other people with cameras shooting yeah. him. So he has to be recording something. And I, I, at question least, I hope that he is. This way, 
when if or when that does come out, we get to see the full story from Spin. his perspective. That would be the ultimate know? break. It comes out that Antonio Brown's been wearing a camera and a wire this whole time, yeah, right? recording the oh, whole man. thing. It's gonna be on HBO. Well, which truly, Ken, which Ken truly gonna getting be a documentary. lost, like getting lost in the sauce. I'll say, mm-hmm. and all of this is. Tom Brady might have the best receiver core in his entire career. Oh, my God. Oh, yeah. Like, in it's, his career. Yeah. I mean, you look at the 07 team that had Randy Moss, but after that, you didn't have Pro Bowl or Pro Bowl or Pro Bowl or, like, <laughs> sitting there waiting yeah. for you. you. This dude's got two, you could say, two Hall of Famers. Edelman's probably on the way, right? And then you got Antonio Brown. Josh Gordon is a Pro Bowl. I mean, when he was on the field, he was one of the best receivers in football. Come on. And Philip Dorsett caught two touchdowns and Dorsett last night. had the best day of and all. You know, by, by the end of the season, Philip Dorsett's probably not even going to be touching right. the field. He's going to be on the Rams somewhere. But it, I think you got to look at this, this Antonio Brown situation, how you would look at people trying to get out of jury duty. At first, you think, okay, I'm gonna just go there. I'm gonna say, hey, I got, I got, you know, I, I got a meeting. I can't miss. And then the judge, you know, you, you make. If any of you guys have been in jury duty. So I've been on I've been on a trial before, so it's like you get through you get there first, it's like fifty of you guys. And it's like, all right, what do you do? And I'm like, all right, cool, I got I'm I'm in media, I have this, and it was in off season. So I'm like, damn. So I was like, but you know, I have all this stuff I gotta do, and it was like, okay, then I moved to the next round. I'm like, damn. And so it's like, okay, well, <laughs> well my schedule sets up where I you know, I travel a lot and then they're like, you know, move to the next round. I'm like so I'm thinking, you know what? This third time I go in, I'm just flat out say I don't like white people. I'm just, I hate, I hate everything. I, you know, I hate, you know, the LGBT community. I'm trying to do say what I have to say to get out of jury duty, and oh. lo and behold, I get selected on the doggone trial that ended up going for about a month, and I'm like. My God! And I see the person that was sitting next to me in uh, in the in group three, the first one. She got up and she literally said something totally crazy, and it was so funny because it, uh, she said something anti-Semitic, and they let us and they weren't they weren't supposed to do this, but they let us know that this was a trial between you know this and that. She was like, oh, she had this bright idea. She got up, it's like, yeah, I, my religious belief, I don't believe in you know you know I'm. She said, I forgot the word she used, but they dismissed her. I'm like, you lucky dog. <laughs> so I tried to, I was like, I'm going to do the right thing. I'm going to, you know, you know, say the right things. And I ended up getting picked for the doggone trial. Had I just did what she did, I would have been off that trial in, in the first day with, in jury selection. So that I that is what I think happened with this Antonio Brown situation. He, he, tried, he yeah. thought the, the foot injury would sideline him and then he wouldn't have to play. They'll trade him. No, he went DEFCON 5 and, and <laughs> hit that red button, and here we are. Alex, you mentioned that 017, by the way. Behind Moss was Wes Welker at that point, Dante Stallworth. Shout out to Dante Stallworth. Dante. Fourth on the, on the receiving in return, towards the receptions in terms of targets, Kevin Falk. Oh, shout out to oh, I forgot. Shout out to my dog, Kevin Falk, man. Like, Kevin Falk was, uh, was awesome. He brought LSU program out of the doldrums and – you know. By the way, after all Shout that, Kevin all of, after all of this ranting, if we stay on the air for another week, I'll be shocked. <laughs> What's that? What's impressive? It's a podcast. Uh, again, folks, this tell is them the, email out, email the CEO of the company. <laughs> yeah, that'll go over well. Again, folks, this is the NFL All Thirty Two podcast. Before we sign off here, let's go into uh, the games for Week Two. 
quick one summary. Whoever wants to jump in on what you want to see, let's start with Thursday night. Buccaneers taking on the Panthers. Both teams 0-1, but both teams didn't look terrible in week one. Yeah, I want to see two Heisman Trophy winning quarterbacks not turn the ball over. Yeah, I think that the Panthers are going to get dominated. I'm sorry, the Bucks are going to get dominated. <laughs> uh, Fantasy-wise, look out for Christian McCaffrey. He should go off. Yeah, I want to see Newton do uh, – I, I don't want to just be the McCaffrey show. I want to see a little old-school Newton. I want to see a little running. Bills at Giants, another game in the Meadowlands for Buffalo. Can they go 2-0? Can the Bills' offense get up to speed with their defense because their defense is phenomenal? I think their defense is championship caliber. Can the Giants correct their ways against this second-year quarterback in Josh Allen and get the job done? Yeah, I, he took it right out of me. I want to see if the Giants step up and four turnovers from Josh Allen before. I want to see the Giants step up this week and do it again. And in week one, we saw Daniel Jones for a series. Maybe that's going to pick up the pressure. <laughs> Cardinals at Ravens. Cardinals trying to get off the tie, off that tie streak. Ravens might dominate again, though, this one. Two Heisman Trophy winning quarterbacks in this matchup again. Yeah. <laughs> but I need yeah. to see the Cardinals do better than just five-man protection. Try to help keep uh, Murray back there protecting the pocket. I need to see Lamar Jackson prove that last week wasn't a fluke against that weakened Miami defense. They still won't believe Emory. They still won't believe. They won't believe. <laughs> I want to see Mark Ingram continue to go for over 100 yards, and he was forgotten about last week because of what Lamar Jackson and that whole team did. I want to see Mark Ingram keep rolling. 49ers at the Bengals. Really impressive defense from the 49ers. Can they make it back-to-back weeks? Offensively, can they get traction going? Because defensively, these two teams will, will slug it out, but I want to see the 49ers offense step up. Can Andy Dalton keep up that high-flying offensive production or really revert back to his old ways? I have the answer for you. No. Go. <laughs> <laughs> can, Gio, can Gio Bernard just sign the, con, uh, sign the extension yeah. um, and maybe no mixing? Let's see what he can do. Chargers at the Lions. Lions with a lot of questions after the tie. Chargers look good in week one. Run game for the Lions, I think, needs to step up and join the party. If they can be balanced, <laughs> I think they got a shot here. Second that with the run game for the Lions mixed with the big game we had against the Chargers last week with Mac, so the Chargers run defense has to step up as well. I see Philip Rivers keep rolling. I mean, you play a team like the Lions, Kyle Murray just threw for 300 yards. No reason why he has any step backs today. Oh, Philip Rivers, how quietly you continue <laughs> onward. Cowboys taking on the Redskins. Cowboys looked destructive in week one. Can the Redskins learn how to finish, though? Who's going to run the ball for the Redskins is what I'll be watching because yep. you just threw Adrian Peterson under the bus if you're uh, Jay Gruden, and you may be without... <laughs> yeah. Uh, Darius Geis. So who's yeah. going to run the ball is going to be key. Case Keenum started off the game last week fire strong. Can he turn that into another performance against a good defense as well in the Cowboys? Are we going to see more Zeke? If the Redskins can contain uh, Dak a little bit, is Zeke going to have a little bit more of a uh, bigger role in this game? Two surprises from week one. Colts at the Titans. Does Brissett get his first win, or is this, was that Tennessee win maybe a sign of things to come? Can Marcus Mariota outduel a guy in Jacoby Brissett because – Pedigree-wise, he's supposed to. Is this Titans defense for real, or was last week just a fluke? Yeah, this is the matchup of the week. You had two teams that just shocked everybody. Maybe not so much with the Colts with us, but the Titans putting up 30 point 30 point win over the Browns. Is that real or is it not? Seahawks taking on the Steelers. A lot of questions for both teams here. We talked about the Steelers' offense, but the Seahawks weren't overwhelming in their first game either. Will they re- finally realize that Rashad Penny is the better tailback than Chris Carson and give him more carries than Carson? If they figure that out, they got a legit chance to knock off Pittsburgh. Is Pittsburgh truly overrated like we believed, or was this week against the Patriots just a bad week one? 
20 rushing yards for James Conner last week. He's got to be better, and the Steelers play calling, and Ben Roethlisberger have to be better this week. Vikings taking on the Packers. Both teams 1-0 in the NFC North. Both teams looked really strong in Week 1, but Green Bay needs a little bit more offense. I'm all about this Kirk Cousins pitch count. If that continues <laughs> in Week 2, Vikings may be on to something. The Vikings defense held Matt Ryan in check last week, but are they going to do it with one of the best quarterbacks in the game in Aaron Rodgers? No running game for Chicago last week against the Packers. We'll see if Dalvin Cook can go again for another 100 yards against this Green Bay defense. I think I have a pick for a big blowout of the week. Uh, New England is at Miami. Uh, is it a 40-point deficit, 50-point deficit? Where, where does it finish? Can New England get a win in Miami? We've seen the struggle <laughs> in Miami. Imagine after all this right. whole thing, New so England we'll, loses. We'll see how, how – uh, what I'll be interested in, all jokes aside, is the resolve of the Dolphins. You, you're laughing stock in week one. Guys are – you know, it's mutiny so far, you know, according to pro football talk. But at the end of the day – it's a pride thing. How much pride they have. That's what I'll be watching. Yeah, this game is going to be bad for the Dolphins. <laughs> My question is, which running back will it be this week for New England? Yeah, it doesn't matter. Yeah, uh, Dolphins have to answer. There's no other way, I, especially with the reports you were saying before about people wanting to get traded. If that's the mindset going into this game and you thought 59 points was bad to <laughs> the Ravens, I it's not even going to be watchable. And there's some guy named Antonio Brown who just joined them. I don't know who he is. Apparently he's not good. So <laughs> I didn't say he's not a Hall of Famer now. I said, at the mo- I said at the moment he's not a Hall of Famer, he might be. Jaguars against the Texans. Jags, of course, they're going to go to a backup now, but the Texans' defense is nothing to sneeze at. That's going to be a tough one for Jacksonville. Gardner Minshew, excited to see how he competes, man. New opportunity for him, starter, full-fledged starter, full week of practice, how he does against the clowny-less Texans defense. That's the best quarterback n- name since Colt McCoy, by the way. Got I would, I would agree. Got to be. Oh, no, uh, you know, Michigan State had a guy in college uh, when I was growing up, Jeff Smoker. You can't. It, I mean, that's not bad. You got to have. Bad. Yeah, Smoker is the last name. That's that's awesome. No, I definitely have to second that Minshew one. It's, like I said earlier, he's a young guy who had a decent game this week, and hopefully he does well for the Jags. I, I want to see the Jags do well. Jags supposed to have a really good defense, and I know it was the Chiefs last week, and that's tough. But right. this is a big. Team, uh, big division game that you got to answer the bell here. And Buckshot Calvert, too, down there at Liberty. That's a sweet That's name. a good one. <laughs> Speaking of those Chiefs, they got the Raiders. Old school rivalry here. Two offenses that could be high flying this season. What are we looking for in this one? Pass rush for Oakland. If they can affect the pocket, they got a shot. I want to look at that running game for the Chiefs. We saw Damian Williams get a lot of carries for not that many yards, and LaShawn McCoy got had a good average last week. So who's going to get the most of the rocks of totes this week? Chiefs defense is supposed to be improved from last year, uh, and we have and we gave up 20, they gave up 26 points to the Jaguars coming in. I want to see them answer the bell here against the Raiders and show that their defense can sometimes compete uh, can keep up with their offense. Bears defense was good in Week One. Offense not so much. They go to the Mile High City. How do we see this one playing out? Trubisky's improvement in Week Two. You have to prove that you're a li- not a liability but an asset. He has to play better. If he plays better, the Bears could be unbeatable. That run game. Cohen and Montgomery need more touches. Cut down on Mike Davis. We know what he is. This could be really a long day for the Broncos if they don't get the running game going. Uh, trying to rely on Joe Flacco to sit in the pocket against that Bears defense could be a very, very rough day. Saints at the Rams, another game that could be explosive. This one could end in the 40s on both sides. How do we see this one turning out? Third down defense. Who can get off the field on third down is going to be key. That was one of the biggest misses for New Orleans in that NFC Championship game. Outside of the penalty, they could not get off the field on third down. So if who if they can get off the field on third down, either team, they'll have, a, they'll, they'll have success. 
this game is going to be a sh should be a shootout. The running backs I'm going to be looking for here, two-star running backs and Gurley and Kamara, are they going to be able to get it done against these defenses? Yeah, I agree with that with the running backs, uh, especially Gurley. Uh, were they holding him off last week to save for this week? We don't know, but you're going to need to take time of possession away because you don't want this game to get into a shootout. You don't want to give the other teams advantage, uh, which is both teams of the offense. You want to uh, control the ball. Sunday night, Mercedes-Benz Stadium, Eagles and Falcons. Again, the Falcons struggled in Week 1. Eagles with a nice comeback win, but we know what the Falcons are a whole lot better than what they showed in Week 1. The Eagles running game. They spent a lot of money on Jordan Howard. Uh, they drafted Miles Sanders. I want to see those two guys eat against this Falcons defense. The flight of the birds. This Falcons offense, they just have way too much talent to have gotten shut down like they did with the Vikings. They yeah. need to step it up and do more against the Eagles. Yeah, specifically Matt Ryan when it comes to the offense. The last two years they played the Eagles, it was basically an identical score. only put up one touchdown. So I, And after the poor showing this week against the Vikings, you really want to see Matt Ryan and that company step up and be able to throw the ball a little bit, especially seeing Case Keenum throw for over 380 on this defense. Monday night at MetLife Stadium, two fan bases that are not known for their patience. They won't be happy after week one. Cleveland taking on the Jets. Offensive line play. Jets offensive line. Brown's offensive offensive line, whichever offensive line plays better, I think that team will win the game. Baker Mayfield against this defense. This defense is not that different from the Titans and the star power that they have. Might be even more high-powered than the Titans. Is Baker going to be skittish again, or is he going to be able to get the job done? Adam Gase got to get a little more creative. So, uh, dumping down every other play is not going to get you. Uh, is not going to be able to keep up with this. Uh, with this defense, with this um, Browns offense, especially if Mosley, who seems to be, he seemed to be all right, was hanging out on the sideline. But if he goes down again, you saw what Josh Allen was able to do. I don't want to know what that Browns team can do if they get into a shootout. That will do it here for the NFL All 32 Podcast Week 2 Preview. Thanks again, folks, for listening in. If you want to follow all of the football game plan, uh, TV shows, podcasts, all the stuff we do here, we call it from the pros all the way down through collegiate ball and beyond. This is where football makes sense. You can listen to the NFL All 32 Podcast on SoundCloud and iTunes, as well as the NFL All 32 TV show, which is on the Game Plus Network, if you are in the New York metropolitan area. For your college football coverage, we have the FCS whip around the college football tailgate show the fcs kickoff show as well uh you can check all of that out we also have stuff on youtube as well youtube.com slash football game plan for myself alex marinoni troy anthony and the czar of the playbook emory hunt this has been david hasagan thanks for listening and we'll see you next week